Welcome to Gateway Church. We are so glad you could join us this week. Now let's listen in as our pastor is ready to present the sermon. So things are looking a little different up here this morning than they normally do, um, which can be fun because when that happens, everybody's like, oh, what are they doing? We're not doing anything, any, anything weird, I promise, I promise. Uh, we're actually wrapping up our teaching series, Close Encounters, which over the last eight weeks, we've been looking at, at encounters people have had with Jesus where they have this encounter with Jesus, and as a result, their life goes away different. They, they have a change in trajectory in their lives because they have this encounter with Jesus. And we've seen some uh, stories from the Bible. We've seen some stories right here from Gateway Church, some really cool stories. Um, and we've got one more we're going to show at the end of the service today. Uh, it's, I think you're going to love it. And we're pretty excited about, about today. But as we've been making our way through this series, uh, we've been looking at these close encounters. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to wrap it up today uh, with a, a very unique close encounter. Now, this last close encounter we're going to look at is different. It's unique for two reasons. Reason number one, it's not one person having a close encounter with Jesus. It's a huge group of people. In fact, there are towns smaller than the number of people who have this close encounter with Jesus. Big crowd of people have this close encounter with Jesus. And the second thing that makes this one unique is we kind of get to see the play-by-play. We kind of we get to see it walk out. For a lot of the close encounters, we saw like Matthew. Jesus calls him, and then we see the end of Matthew's life. He's written a part of the Bible. We see um, you know, Peter at the beginning. We see Peter at the end. We see these stories, but we don't necessarily see what happens in between. This one, we get a playbook. This one, we get an absolute laid-out playbook, kind of a framework for how the close encounter then begin to affect life change for these people. So that's what we're doing today. Um, so go ahead and grab your Bibles. Open them up to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. We have house Bibles. If you look under the seat in front of you, there are Bibles available. Feel free to grab it and use it. If you're using the house Bible, page 741 is where you're going to find Acts chapter 2. Um, if you don't have a Bible at home, what do we always tell them, Pastor Brecken? You can take it home with you. You get to take the Bible with you when you leave. No questions asked. See, he's not up here just to look pretty. There's, there's more to it. Um, <laughs> Um, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Also, you can track it. It's all going to be in the screen. It's in your note-taking guide. If you're using the app, as I said earlier, not only can you do the connection card in the app, but you can also uh, follow along and take your notes on the app if you want to do that. So easy, easy to track along. Follow the scripture if you want to. Now, while you're finding Acts chapter 2, I'm going to ask a question. Interactive church is in place, so I would love to have you answer the question. How many of you, I don't care what generation you are, how many of you have a social media account of some kind? All right. Almost every hand. All right. So whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat. There's this new thing called TikTok. I don't even know what that is. Ask your kids. Ask your kids what they are. So, so you, there's, there's, all, there's a, a gazillion different forms of social media, which are not bad, right? We communicate via social media. Um, I, and I have discovered, while I'm not a huge fan of it, I've discovered I have to have, I have, to have Facebook I have to have Snapchat because people will communicate with me in one of like four different ways. And so I've got to, oh, I have a message from Pastor Brecken on Snapchat today, and I have a message from my son on Facebook. Oh, and somebody actually texted me. Occasionally, I'll even get a phone call, and people actually talk to you face-to-face. But we use social media for a lot of things. So in most social media platforms, you can, you can know how many people are your friends. How many of you have any idea how many friends you have in social media? Anybody? Some, some of you do. Right? So, so like, like, there are four hands that went up. Nobody pays attention to that. That's good. That means you're not all, um, 
You're all not a bunch of narcissists here. Um, good. So here's the thing. I went this week. Company. I checked yesterday to see how many friends I have on Facebook because I didn't know. And I have 842 friends on Facebook. I'm pretty popular. Wow. Except that I checked Brecken. Brecken has 1,400 friends on 1,400 Facebook. 1,400 friends so on Facebook. he's more popular than I am. Now, here's the thing about Facebook friends or any other social media friend. How many of you actually have friends on social media that you have never physically laid eyes on. You have never met them. You've never had a conversation with them, but they're your friend. That's, How- the, that's the thing. Like, I have, I have 1,400 friends on Facebook, but here's why. Here's the cats coming out of the bag. Uh, we, the reason why I have so many friends like that is, like, you mentioned you might not know everyone on Facebook. And I remember back in high school, this was before you could just follow people instead of actually adding them as a friend. Well, a bunch, me and a bunch of friends, we, we did this thing where we would, we would try and add like celebrities or members of our favorite bands or whatever, just, just to see like, oh man, are they going to add me back? And if they did, you'd be like, oh yeah, Justin Bieber's my friend. We're friends. We're tight. <laughs> and so, we are both from Canada. Yeah, we're both from Canada. I've spent like a lot of time the last couple months just cleaning out friends that like I don't talk to or people that I actually don't know on Facebook it's just it's a mess <laughs> so now I, I have a this the, I, this is just for the moment I have a question did you unfriend oh, no. Justin Bieber <laughs> I <laughs> he unfriended I don't want to hurt his feelings man he could be watching <laughs> online so here's the thing we have all these friends on Facebook and he talked about cleaning it out unfriending him here's the deal about social media friends we need relationships we're wired for relationship we have to have relationships God in the beginning said it's not good for the man to be alone he creates a partner right we're supposed to do life together and one of the reasons social media friendships are so popular is because we get to do friendship on our own terms right I can say what I want and not say what I don't want. I can talk as much as I want or I can shut up. I can criticize you safely from behind my screen and I can ignore it when you criticize me safely from behind your screen, right? If your friend supports the wrong candidate, you can unfriend them or unfollow them. If they're on the wrong side of the issue, and by wrong side of the issue, I mean not my side of the issue, right? Isn't that how we do it? Um, that we can unfriend them. We don't want to have that negative talk in our lives. Never mind, maybe they're just being real with us. Um, so it, it, it's all only on our terms, right? If they annoy you, if they post too many cat videos, or any cat videos. There's nothing wrong with cat videos. If they post anything about cats on social media, I can unfriend <laughs> them like that, right? That's, I, think, I think maybe a bigger divide than Democrat and Republican is cat and not cat people. Let me see uh, the cat people. Hands up oh, for please. cat people. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> How many of you are not cat people? Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. Here's the thing about social media friends. They're not real friendships. I mean, I, I reckon and I are friends on social media, but we also have a real friendship. We need real friendships, and here's why. We need real relationships because real relationships challenge us, don't they? Have you discovered that maintaining an actual relationship with someone can be hard work? Have you discovered that maintaining an actual relationship with someone is not always fun? Sometimes they push you, they challenge you. Now, they'll encourage you as well. But if it's a good friendship, uh, they, will, they will ask you questions you may not want to ask, ask or answer. They will ask you um, things about yourself. They, they will push you. And if we are going to grow up spiritually to be followers of Jesus, and a follower of Jesus is supposed to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, be like Jesus, for that to happen, we actually have to have real relationships. 
In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Life change happens in the context of relationships. Life change happens in the context of relationships. Now, your life can change with or without a relationship, but real, meaningful, lasting life change, it happens in the context of relationships. If you remember some of the, uh, the close encounter stories we shared through the series, I go back to Tony's stories, the first one we showed. Tony came to Gateway Church because um, the neighbors, my wife and, and Greg Williams, asked him incessantly to come to church. Finally, his wife invited him to come to church. He said, all right, I'll go to church. And he came to church, and his life changed. If you remember Harlan's story from a few weeks ago, Harlan had a really good friend who, who, brought, who invited him to church. Um, that friend dies tragically, and, and while Harlan is in this kind of emotional tailspin place of life, Becca Valoni, Pastor Mark's wife, who worked with Harlan at the time, said, why don't you come try our church? It's those relationships that brought him here. Uh, last week, Josh and Deb talked about it. it was when the senior pastor and his wife began to invest in their lives, the relationship brought lasting change. Nick talked about when he'd kind of gone off and done his own thing, uh, he said, the church never gave up on me. In fact, I think the phrase you used, Nick, was it takes a village. Um, a bunch of people invested in Nick. Relationships brought life change. Um, and relationships with other people are, are the only way we're going to live out our faith. Acts chapter 2 begins to show us that picture. Let me kind of unpack this close encounter for you real quick. Um, Jesus has done his ministry. He, he has lived, he's died, he's risen again. The disciples have seen the resurrected Christ. Their lives are, are transformed because of that. And, and now after uh, about a month and a half of training, if you will, after the disciples, or after Jesus rose from the dead, he spends about a month and a half training them to, to be prepared to launch this Jesus movement. He then says, I'm going back to heaven. You go to Jerusalem and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power, and your lives are going to change. You're going to know what to do. That's where we're picking up the story. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, on the day of Pentecost, should be on the screen. On the day of Pentecost, so this is a Jewish holiday. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Now, real quick, let me kind of tell you what's going on. The, the, the disciples are gathered together. Jerusalem is full of people from all over the Mediterranean world because there's a big Jewish holiday taking place, and they would travel there. And these Jewish, um, I, they were just... I guess you would say a diaspora, dispersed Jews around the Mediterranean world. They were still loyal to their faith. They would come back, but they maybe grew up in, in Egypt, or maybe they grew up in Rome. Maybe they grew up in, in what today would be Turkey. They grew up all over the Mediterranean world. They have different languages. They're there together, and this event happens. These followers of Jesus are gathered in a room. Power is unleashed. There's a loud noise. They gather to see what the noise is, because we do that, right? You hear a noise, what do you do? You go see what it is. You see a commotion, you go. NASCAR is popular because we want to watch the wrecks, right? When things are crazy, we go and watch it. And so there's this loud noise, and everybody comes to see what's going on, and they're blown away because what they hear is this group of people speaking about Jesus, but everybody hears it in their own language. It's mind-blowing to them. 
And then Peter stands up and gives this sermon. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Peter. He was the reed. He you know, flip-flops all over the place. Then Jesus says your name actually means rock, and he has this life change. This might be Peter's most rock moment. He stands up in front of a crowd and preaches a sermon. And when he's done, if you look at verse 41, it should be on the screen. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Now, Gateway Church, what would we do if we had a church service where 3,000 people came to believe Jesus all at one time? Amen. Right, I heard an amen. I mean, we'd probably have to have a few services that day because we only have 200 chairs. We'd have church in the field. We have church in the field. Ooh, Bring we can dig a ditch, chair. baptize people right in the, the ditch of water. Right? kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the baptism today has clean water, for those of you who wonder. So here's the thing. This huge life-changing event happens. 3,000 people become followers of Jesus. Now, here's where the close encounter, I think, gets really cool. You see 3,000 people have a close encounter. They become followers of Jesus. And then Luke, who writes the book of Acts, gives us a framework. He gives us a play-by-play on how this life change plays out. He shows us how the close encounter is walked out so that their lives are made different. In verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So 3,000 people become followers of Jesus in one day. And then they begin to walk it out this way. They start getting together on a regular basis. This is they met in the temple, so they get together as a big group, and they met in homes. They got together in small groups. They met together in big groups. They got together in small groups. They shared everything they had in common. They, they, they made sure that there were no poor people among them, not by getting rid of the poor people, but by meeting the needs of the poor people. They cared for each other. Now, here's why this is relevant to us and where we're going today. For the last six to eight weeks, you've heard Pastor Brecken and I spend a lot of time talking about life groups. And at Gateway Church, we've been doing small groups-ish, and we're moving to this thing called life groups. And here's why we're doing what we're doing today. First of all, we need you to understand this idea of life groups is not something Pastor Steve went to a seminar and went, oh, that's cool, we should go back to our church and try that, okay? Right? We've all been there, right? I've done that with our church before. Pastors do it all over the place. You've done it with your job. You go to a seminar, you come back, like, today we're implementing this new plan because I saw it and so-and-so does it, and, you know, John Maxwell said it. Huh? I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know, <laughs> if you, if you want to say it. I've done it. We've <laughs> all done that. That's not what this is. Uh, it's not that we picked up a book, we read the book one day and went, huh, we should make a change. Uh, we have read books about this, but for a long time, this has been on my heart. And for a long time, um, this is something that I really think Jesus has been pulling our church towards because this is the way Jesus grew the church. This is the way Jesus grew followers of Jesus. This is the way spiritual maturity happened. And so what we want to do is line up with what Jesus did. What we want to do is line up with the way the early church did things. So what we want to do today is, is answer some questions. Because as we've been talking about life groups, as we've been talking about, hey, sign up for a life group, and every week you'll, either Heather will say it on the announcements or I'll say, hey, sign up for life groups, 
Every week I have people come to me and go, I don't get it. What's life groups? Why is that different from a Sunday school class, or is it different from a Sunday school class? Why is it different from the small groups we've done before? I have, and you have had lots of questions. So Pastor Brecken and I, since he's the pastor in charge of life groups, we thought we would sit up here this morning and just kind of explain to you what's the difference, what's, what is this all about. That way you can make an informed decision if you choose to be a part of a life group or not, and obviously we are prayerfully hoping everyone will choose to be a part of a life group. So uh, to start off with, one of the questions that keeps coming my way, and if you want to take notes, you can jot this down, what is our vision for life groups? In other words, why are we doing life groups as a church? Pastor Brecken, what would you say? Yeah, well, obviously, like we've said already, life change happens in the context of relationships. So the biggest thing, the biggest key point about life groups is about relationships. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Life groups foster relationships. Life groups foster life change. And I know you've heard us say in the announcements over and over again, circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. And if you've been coming here over the last couple weeks, you're probably sick of hearing that. And if you're brand new and you have no idea what that means, I'm going to explain it. Excuse me. If, If you've been around just bear with me one more time. You can even recite it along with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> wow. All right. Just got to get that out there. Well, <laughs> rows are a lot like uh, what you guys are, what you are all sitting in right now. You are all sitting in rows. You are listening to us talk with each other and talk with you guys. We do a lot of interactive church, and we love to have you guys talk back with us, and we try to do really good at that, and it's, it's great. Rows are awesome, but we say circles are better than rows because what happens is we, we want all of you, we want to be able to interact a lot more than we can in, in rows, and so when we are in life groups, when we are in circles, small groups, we can all meet with each other and see our friends on a regular basis talk with each other share deep things about our lives with each other in a way that, that just is, is so difficult to happen in rows. Let me break that down a little bit more. Um, in, in Acts chapter 2, it said that they met in the temple. They met in their homes. They, they shared meals together. They celebrated communion together. They shared with those in need. In, in the early church, you saw a lot of people, a lot of their, their meeting together, they did meet in the temple, they did meet in church, that was a really important thing for them, but more times than that, they met together in homes. It was a very relationship-based culture. Right. It was a very relationship-based thing that they did with Christianity, and, that, and through that, so many lives were changed. It said that when, when the apostles, when the disciples had this crazy encounter with Jesus. Everyone saw what was going on, and they were all impacted, and 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. That is the power that comes with life change in relationships. But sometimes, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, and we sit in rows, we, we can definitely have cool relationships with people, but I think if we're honest, this is what tends to happen. We might come to church 10 minutes before the service starts. We'll go grab our coffee and maybe some water and a donut, and we might shake hands with someone at the door, uh, and then we'll come sit down. We'll talk to a couple people around us. If we're chatty, we'll, we'll say, hey, how's it going? You see the Cardinals game last night? Uh, yes. That wasn't very good. And, 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 and then, we, then we have a worship time. We sing some great songs. We hear some great teaching, and then we get up, 
we go home, we eat lunch, and uh, we go watch football or take a nap or whatever you do on a Sunday afternoon. Steve likes to take a nap. <laughs> Naps are great. But aside from maybe that five-minute chat that you had with someone coming in or sitting, coming to sit down, the level of relationship that we get into is kind of surface level sometimes, right. unless you're really intentional, uh, intentional about really getting into deep stuff with the people sitting around you. Maybe you have some great friends that come But in. even if you're intentional about it, time doesn't allow you to go deep on a Sunday morning, right? You're in here 10 minutes before service. Some of them. Some of them are 10 minutes after it starts, but we won't talk about that. Um, you get in here, and, and, and you have a few brief conversations, and then you go about your week. Not even that you don't care, but just time doesn't allow for it. Sorry. Go ahead, Pastor mm -hmm. Brigham. Here's a story that I have. <clears throat> Many of you that know me know that I'm from Canada, and over the last few months I've been going through uh, the immigration process to, to be a uh, permanent resident here in the United States. Um, and so I... A lot of people talk with me about that, ask, how's it going, and I've, I'll share with them. And so this has happened a few times. Um, I'll either be out in the lobby or I'll be somewhere else talking with people, and they'll, and they'll say, hey, how's, that, how's immigration going? How's it going with all that stuff? And I'll share with them about, give them an update about where I'm at. And sometimes, maybe I overshare, I don't know, but <laughs> so I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get really, I'll get really into what, what I'm talking about. And so there's been a few times... Where, where I've mentioned, uh, people have asked, how's, how's the immigration process? And I'll, and I'll talk with them about it. And then, then they might ask, well, uh, what have you been doing for work since you've been here? And then I'll have to explain, well, that's the, that's the part about the immigration process that's been really tough because I actually haven't legally been able to work since January. I've been unemployed for like the last nine months, and that's been really tough sometimes. And then I'll, I'll get into sharing parts of my story. There's the thing oversharing again. But anyway, uh, the people that I talk to, sometimes they'll have a reaction like, whoa, I had no idea you were going through all that. I had no idea. And that's the thing that happens when we only have a few minutes right. to talk with people on a Sunday, when we only have a few minutes to, to share surface-level stuff. Sometimes you just don't get to hear about all the other things that are going on in a person's life because we don't have the opportunity sometimes to get really deep into it. And that is why we are so excited about life groups. That is why this is our vision for life groups, that life groups foster relationships because instead of just getting five or ten minutes on a Sunday morning to connect with people, we value relationship, more than just Facebook friend relationships. We want everyone to have true friendships that are really impacting their life, that are really helping them grow into better people. And so when we're in life groups, we'll get the opportunity to meet with the same people week after week or however often your life group meets, and you'll have that time to get into stuff that matters, stuff that'll help you grow as a person, stuff that'll help you grow in your relationship with God. Because we know that this kind of stuff just doesn't happen in rows all the time. Gateway exists to create a community of transformed lives. And we think what better way to create communities of transformed lives than to have life groups where people can get into groups. They can share the nitty-gritty stuff that's going on in their life. You can find true friendship, and then lives will transform because life change happens in the context of relationships. Sunday mornings are great, and they are a very important part right. of our relationship with God. We've seen all the way through this Close Encounter series the power that comes 
with coming to church, experiencing Jesus. That's why we're having Friend Day next week, and we want so many of our friends to come to Gateway because we believe there's no better place for anyone to be on a Sunday than right here at Gateway Church because we believe that the transforming power of Jesus is so real. We just need to get people here to meet Jesus. Sunday morning is incredible. Sunday morning is great. But that is only one part of the coin. The other side of that coin is in relationships, and that will be in life groups. And that's why we're so excited to start life groups, because then we can have our well-balanced diet, so to speak. We can have two halves of the coin. And it will be, just think, if, if we can see crazy life change through just the Sunday service and through just inviting our friends to church, think how much more life change right. we can see from being in intentional relationships with others through life group. I am really excited about it. I don't know about you. Absolutely. As you were talking, something came to my mind. Um, some of you may not know this, but I think most of you do. Two weeks from today, Pastor Brecken and Pastor Jennifer will be married. They're getting married two weeks from yesterday, but so two weeks from today, you'll have, yeah, you got, and so, yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, so two of your <laughs> pastors will be married to each other. Um, but yesterday, a group of us guys took Pastor Breakin out to spend the afternoon with him. And the cool thing about it was this. As, as we were there, there were, there were two guys that were a part of that I've met, I've had slight conversations with, but I've not gotten to know. But after three hours of hanging out for the afternoon, I learned more about and, and have, a, I guess, a deeper connection with those guys because we weren't sitting in rows doing something formulaic. We were just doing life together and having relationship-building moments. We just having fun. And that's kind of what life groups do for us. They help us get past the surface level and move deeper into our relationships. Another question we get asked all the time is this, how do life groups work, right? I, I get this one all the time. In other words, how, how, do, how do we do life groups? Um, and, and I think maybe the question gets couched like this, what, how is this any different from some of the other groups we've done? We've done classes, we've done like little short six-week groups. How is this different? Um, so how do they work? And the short answer is real simple. You sign up for a life group, you go to the life group, you hang out with the people in the life group. That, that's the short answer, but there's a little bit more behind it. If we go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So they were devoted, and that word devoted is interesting. It means stuck to or persistent over a long period of time. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's what happens on Sunday morning. Hopefully, Pastor Jason, Pastor Brecken, and myself are bringing you solid biblical truth when we preach. And so we're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Here's the problem with that, though. As important and as great as that is, the apostles' teaching is useless in a vacuum, right? When Jesus came and changed the world for us, it was so that we could do life with each other the way we're supposed to do life with each other. You can't just read your Bible, go to church, and sit by yourself all week long and, and really be a follower of Jesus. We have to do life with each other. And life groups give us a safe environment to start practicing that, right? When your kids were growing up and, and you wanted them to learn how to ride their bike or whatever, what did you You put them in a safe place to ride that bike at first, right? Unless you were me, that's another story. Um, um, but... You know, you put them in a safe environment, maybe you use the training wheels or whatever it was, but you put them in a safe place so they could experience it, and then as they got better, you let them foray a little bit further and a little further and a little further, right? 
So here's the thing. Life groups are kind of like that. We start learning what we learn on a Sunday morning. We'll, we'll, we'll go through a teaching series. And then we get to get together in our life group and talk about what did we learn today? What did the pastor talk about today? So how do I live that out in my life? So next week as we start the Vertigo series, the, the first piece of that puzzle, we're going to talk about humility next week. Everybody's going to love it, I promise. Um, and and then, then we're going to get a chance to get together and go, so how did that work? How, how do you live out humility in your life? What can I do? What can you do, right? We're going to talk about it. We're going to push each other. How we, you know, we can live it out. We can practice it. We can encourage it. We can pray for each other. Um, that's what these look like. So maybe in a very practical sense, your life group looks like this. You get together at whatever time your group decides to meet. Let's say you're in a group that meets you know, Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. So dinner, right? You have dinner. I don't know any group that would meet eating Wednesday time. at 5, but we're going to pretend. Eat, eat, it's eating time. How eating many, time. by the way, how many of you like to eat? Mm. Okay. Most people like to eat. I don't know, actually don't know anybody who doesn't like to eat. Um, and, and here's the cool thing about a meal. They are naturally icebreakers. Conversation starts around the meal, right? I've had conversation with absolute strangers over a meal just because you're both doing something together, right? So maybe your group has a meal, maybe it doesn't. My group will have coffee. For those of you who are addicted to coffee, my group might be the one you want to sign up for uh, because coffee is... You know, coffee a, rehab group. It's the, <laughs> it would only be a rehab group if we were trying to get off the coffee, and that's not what's <laughs> going to happen. Um, I could be their dealer. Um, uh, so, but you're going to get together. You're going to have a few moments that we call a fellowship. You're going to sit around. You're going to talk. How was your week? Did you see the card? Whatever. You're going to have those shallow moments, but then you're going to move into, let's talk about what we, what we studied at church this week. What, what do you think about it? How does that play out in your life? How, you know, how do you need to work on that humility issue? How do you need to work on that forgiveness issue? Uh, there'll be a, a lesson. The lesson isn't the core of it. The lesson is just a tool to help us communicate and connect with each other. If you're in a life group, here's what you need to understand. There are no bonus points for finishing the lesson each week. No, nobody's keeping score, okay? But it's a great discussion starter. And as the group moves on, as you get to know each other, the first week it'll be weird because I don't know all these people. But by, by week 10, you might know each other pretty well. Um, and you have those conversations. And then when the group ends and you go home for the night uh, or the afternoon, whenever it is, it's not, that's not where the group ends. Hopefully, you're going to call your friend. Hopefully, you're going to text them. Hopefully, you're going you're gonna to send them an email, and you're going to say, hey, I was praying for you. I knew you were having this come up this week. I just thought I would let you know I was thinking about you. Those are really meaningful moments. Mm -hmm. This summer, uh, Steve and I and a bunch of other people, we, we, did a, we, we got a life group together just to test run it to see how we'd work it before we launched it here in October. And that was such a cool experience. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but for me, definitely, it was a great experience. And one of the coolest things about it, um, I got to share tons about my life, what I'm going through with immigration and tons of other stuff. And so when it came time for me to do, to do different exams, have different meetings involving my green card and stuff, people would, people would call me and text me on the day that stuff was happening and go, hey, just to let you know, I'm praying with you. I hope everything goes great today. Let me tell you, just having that, it, it, it made me feel so much more confident. It, it, it helped so much. And just to have friends like that, that, that really care, that, and, and you know that when they text you to, to say, hey, I'm thinking of you, that those friends really matter, that you really matter to them, it, it felt so great. And that's, that's just something that, that is really valuable. It really helps you know that the stuff that we're hearing about in church, it really works. When we encourage people, when we pray for them, 
that's just the kingdom of God in action. And it was right. so cool just to just to be part of something like that. We grew, we were we were like all best friends by the time our however many weeks we did that was done. We we met together outside of our group. We had such a fun time together. It was awesome. It really was. At, at the end of the day, life groups are about doing life together. That's what they're about. It's about followers of Jesus connecting with other followers of Jesus, doing life together, inviting your non-follower of Jesus friends to be a part of that because everybody wants to be a part of a meaningful relationship and watching that life change take place. Some of the closest relationships I have to this day are from a life group I was in more than 10 years ago. And to this day, I know that if I picked up the phone and called one of those families, and at least one of those families lives in another state now, if I called and said, hey, I need help with this, they wouldn't ask questions, they would show up and help. And they know that if they call me, in fact, I got a call a few weeks ago from one of them, the one who lives out of state, says, hey, this is going on, can you help with this? They knew they could call me and ask that, you know why? Because we had developed such a strong friendship in that group. That's life change just living it out in front of people. So that's what we're looking for in these life groups. That's kind of how they work. Now, there's one more question that we need to answer. What's the goal? If you take a note, you can write that down. In other words, what are we trying to accomplish by this? Mm-hmm. Well, again, life change happens in the context of relationship. And if you remember our first point that life groups will foster life change, life groups will foster relationship. And so those are two great things about life group. But there's another thing that is really cool. If we take a look back at our passage in Acts 2, it says, they praised God together and enjoyed the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Life change happens in the context of relationship. And the people in this passage in Acts 2, they were doing relationship right. They were meeting together in their homes they were sharing meals together. They were worshiping God together. And the people that they interacted with, they caught that. And each day, more and more people were coming to know Jesus because of the relationships that these people had. Imagine, so we get the baptistry set up here, which means at the end of the service, we're doing a baptism today. It's a baptism. I can't tell you how excited I am about this one. I've been waiting 15 years for this baptism to happen. I'm I'm. I'm uh, it, God's been doing some cool stuff. But match, so for those of you who don't know, we got to drag the baptistry out. We got to fill it with water. We get to warm up the water. I mean, it, and then after the baptism, there's water all over the place up here. It's a mess, right? What if we had to make that mess every week? What if every Sunday? Yeah, that's Sunday you can clap about, folks, because that means every day lives are being changed. What if our life groups were so real, so authentic that that, that as we invited our friends, like I, whatever they got, we don't have it and we want it. What if life change like that was happening every day and we had to do this every week? How cool would that be? That would be super cool. And that is ultimately the goal of life groups. If you're taking notes, write this down. Life groups are about growing the kingdom. Yeah. Life groups are about growing the kingdom. Not only are we going to have these cool relationships with the people in our church, not only are we going to have lifelong friendships because we are going to develop friendships with people that support us but it's going to grow the kingdom because life change happens in the context of relationships. And when lives are being changed, they're going to change the lives of others. We see that in our, our, in our passage in Acts 2. When people's lives are being changed, more people are drawn to them and they will change others. And this is not because we want a huge church. This is not because we want to pat ourselves on the back, but it's because there are so many people out there 
that want true friendship and want true relationship. That's, that's why we're drawn to social media, isn't it? That's why we want to have so many friends or followers, because that's something we want to have. That, that is something that, that we crave as society, is true friendship, people that care about us. And when we look on Facebook and, and we see all these great things that are going on in a person's life, we might think, wow, I wish I could have that. Life groups are going to be a great way that we can have true relationship, true friendship with people that care about us, that have our backs, that will cry when we cry, that will laugh when we laugh, that will, that will support us when we need it, and, and we'll serve God together, we'll worship God together. Life change happens in the context of relationships. And we think that life groups are one of the best ways to develop relationships that will lead to life change. That is the goal of life groups, to foster relationship and to grow the kingdom of God. So what do we do with this? What's the takeaway this morning? And the takeaway is super simple. I often say it's simple, but it's not easy. Today's takeaway is simple, and I think it's easy. There are two things we would love to see you do, two challenges to walk out of here with this week. Number one, relationships are important. Relationships matter. We would love to have you leverage those relationships and invite your friends to join you next week for Friend Day, not so we can fill this place up, but so people can hear the truth of Jesus and their lives can be changed. The second thing we would love to see you do is sign up for a life group. Uh, We have in your bulletin, worship folder, whatever you call that thing, there's a piece of paper that has six life groups listed. Four of them are going to be based on studying the sermon. The difference between those first four life groups is the time they meet and the location. That's it. And for the first six to 12 weeks, however that goes, those groups are going to just study uh, a study guide based on the sermon. The other two groups are more specialty groups, if you will. One is, is a ladies' uh, study that's doing a, going through a book right now, and another one is a young adult group. In fact, Nick, you lead that group. A couple weeks ago, didn't they go apple picking? Yes. He's saying yes. <laughs> so They do fun um, stuff together. They do fun stuff together. They, they, um, they have a, a great time <clears throat> together. So that's what, that's what these life groups are all about. We would love to have you sign up for a life group, and we would love to have you invite your friends. At the end of the day, give it a try and see what happens. I think you will see God begin to do some really cool things in your life and the lives of the people around you. So we're going to wrap up this way. We're going to close with communion. We do communion almost every week here at Gateway Church. Um, and normally what I do is I pray, and you get to get up and take communion. We have three communion tables. We're not doing that today. We can't talk about community and not take communion as a community. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Pastor Mark and the band to come up here and begin playing quietly. And as they do that, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the ushers come forward, and they're going to hand out the communion elements. They're going to pass out the bread first, and then we're going to take it together. And then they're going to pass out the cup, and we're going to take it together. You don't have to be a member here at Gateway Church to receive communion. We just ask that you be walking in a right relationship with Jesus. And when we think about the death of Jesus Christ, Think about this. When he died on that cross, he died to establish the church. The church is a community. He died to set up this community. And so when you take communion, you're participating in that. I'm going to have the Go ahead, guys. Go ahead and hand out the the elements if you would. They're going to pass out the, the bread. That bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. When we take this in just a moment... I want you to take it and do so with thanksgiving in your heart. Thank Jesus for the sacrifice he made on our behalf to establish this community, to to cleanse our lives, to make us brand new. In just a minute when they finish passing that out, I'll pray and then we'll take the bread.
Let me pray, and then after I pray, you're free to take the bread. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that willingly his body was broken to cleanse us and make us new, make us whole. And as we receive the bread today, may we always be mindful of the grace we receive from you. You may eat. The ushers are now going to pass out the cup. And again, that cup represents the the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is shed for us so that we can be washed clean, so that we can be made whole. So as they pass that out, keep that in your your mind and your thoughts. And then after they pass that out, we will take that together as well. Let me pray. Father, when we think of the blood of your son that was shed, I can't even begin to imagine what you must have felt in that moment as your son died and his blood spilled out on the ground so that we could be made clean, so that we could be made new, so that that we could be made into the image of you that we were always supposed to be representing anyway. Lord, the the gift is too much for us to understand. So we just say thank you. And as we take and drink this cup today, I pray that we would just receive your grace and understand it in a fresh way. You may drink. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are so grateful for your grace, for your mercy, for the love that you pour out all over us. We thank you that you don't leave us on our own, but you walk with us and you call us to community. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you would help us to step into these communities of transformed lives, and that you would use us to to sharpen and challenge others, that we would be sharpened and challenged, and that ultimately our church would reflect you so well in our world that others would want to know more about who you are and they would be drawn to you. God, make us the community you want us to be in the name of Jesus. Amen. So now it's normally where the band leads us in a song, but we're not going to do that right now. We're going to do a baptism. Uh, And I cannot tell you how excited I am to do this. And before we do the baptism, Ed wanted to tell his story. Um, We're baptizing Ed Whitworth. Those of you who who know Ed, he's been lurking around here for about 15 years. and the life change that has taken place is amazing. So Ed told us his story. We got a short video of Ed's story. So we're going to fire that off, and then we're going to baptize Ed. I'm Ed Whitworth. Everybody should know that. Uh, I've been coming with you guys. About, I've been coming to church. Like, start cleaning it. Start working with you, talking to you off and off for like, I think we talked about it, about 14 years. I uh, started doing going to church more often last maybe three to five years, more consistent. I started praying more and more every day. Like, you know, I was talking to you off and on, and you used to do prayer for me. I started feeling more connection. So every day I do more prayers. So I started more praying, more I felt better. But then I started, just, you know, I just started talking to more and more every day. The God felt this connection. Like, maybe this is leading up to something, I don't know. And in April, I got sick. And, you know, I smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. 
tried quit many, many times, couldn't do it. And I just said, hey, you know, whatever. So I went in the hospital and I didn't realize I had carbon dioxide poisoning. Didn't realize it, that I was that sick. I felt like I was dying. Maybe I was, I don't know, but I was close. I just had to be on oxygen the rest of my life. And I'm not getting it on me now. My oxygen getting better. But anyway, that night I started feeling really bad. I prayed to Jesus. I said, please, Jesus, help me. I, you know, I just felt this connection. I said, I've been talking to you a lot. You know, I think I got something going on with you. Please give me a stand to quit smoking. I feel you're there, and I felt this warm feeling. And I said, I know you're there. And I started crying. What is it because I was sick? I was crying because I felt this weird feeling. I mean, I really felt warm, warm. And I told you about when you came to see me the next day. I couldn't understand it. You know, you know, I see you believing, but he was there, and I know he's there. I walked out of the hospital, man, smoked cigarettes since. My oxygen started getting better. I think he saved me that night. I think I was gonna die. I begged for his forgiveness and helped me. Give me the strength to get better. I told him I'd give my life to you. I'd do more for you every day. And I promised him I would do that. And I said, just give me a recovery and let me show you. I promised I'd be on, you know, follower and be with you more and more every day. And ever since then, I've been doing it. So, I mean, it's really weird, but it's, you know, I told Steve Bond, I said, am I crazy or what? He goes, no, you, you know, he's there. He's following you, he's healed you, you've been reborn or whatever. And, you know, that's why I want to get baptized again. Come up here, Ed. So, 15 years ago, Ed came here as the janitor for a school that was running our building. And uh, then we started hiring him to clean our building. And then after the school left, we kept Ed. Uh, uh, we, got, we got Ed in the divorce um, when the school left. And, uh, and we, Ed and I have become really good friends. I, I count him among... Uh, <laughs> listen, brother. <laughs> I can hold you under. Um, 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 but to watch God transform Ed's life over these last 15 years... Um, he's asked me, I can't tell you how many times the last couple of weeks, he's like, Steve, I feel stuff I never felt before. Am I crazy? Nope. You're not crazy. The Holy Spirit is working and moving, and, and God is doing some amazing stuff in Ed's life. Um, I, have, I have seen Ed's health get better. I, I, Ed, that night in the hospital when I was sitting there, I, I've never told you this, but I thought when I left, that was the last time I was ever going to see you. I thought so, too. Um, and here you stand, you're not wearing your oxygen, you haven't had cigarettes since April, um, you, are, you are living proof that God is the God who transforms, and you said you wanted to get baptized, and so we are baptizing you today. Now, you know what, I love you. So, so uh, Ed, for health reasons, Ed can't get up the stairs and get into the baptistry. So he's just going to bend over, and we're going to pour our baptistry water over, over Ed as you were baptized. So, Ed, I'm going to have you bend over. Ed Whitworth, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. <laughs> I baptize you. Yeah, I, and I appreciate it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I did, you need to know, and I say it every time. You can sit down, Ed. This is why all, we do all this other stuff. All this other stuff, we do it just because people come here, they come to know Jesus, and their lives are transformed forever. And Ed, we are so thrilled to have you be a part of this. I'm going to have the ushers go grab the offering plates. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, we've been here a long time today. Hopefully, you have a better understanding of why we're doing life groups. By the way, this... This is why we're doing life groups. It says daily the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. I would love to have to do this every single week. So the ushers are going to come forward. As they are coming forward, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer. Don't forget next week is friend day. Bring your friends and then stick around afterwards for a cookout. We're going to have a great time. Uh, don't be afraid to, to go to one of those. If you want to sign up for a life group, you can write it on the back of your connection card. The list of groups is there, or you can use the app and sign up for a growth group. Let us know. We would love to have you be a part of what we're doing. Let me pray. We're going to receive the offering as Pastor Mark and the man lead us in one last song. Father, we love you. And we are just, Lord, we are amazed. We are overwhelmed. We are blessed by your grace, and we thank you for everything you have ever given us. And Father, we can't pay you back. We, we, we don't even want to try. We don't want to insult you in that way. We just simply want to tell you that we love you. And we pray that you would take the gifts that we're giving to you today and you would multiply them and you would do amazing things with them for your kingdom. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening in this week. And please join us again for next week's sermon. And in the meantime, please feel free to check out our website at mygatewaychurch.tv, where you can find our email addresses and links to our social media pages. In addition, you can also download our mobile app from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Just search for Gateway Church-Mo. Thanks again, and God bless us.